Hello, and welcome to the 4th U Dimension podcast slash YouTube video series. I'm Colin Wolf, Assistant Director of Religious Education at the 4th Universalist Society in New York City. I'm standing in for our usual host, our Director of Religious Education, Ember Kelly. This is a sub-series of the 4th U Dimension called Getting the Message, in which we interview our Sunday service guest speakers and do a follow-up in-depth exploration of what they had to say. Today, our guest is Ali Peters. Ali is a graduate of Union Theological Seminary and is sponsored by Fourth Universalist as she prepares for ordination to become a Unitarian Universalist minister. Currently, Ali serves as intern minister at Fox Valley Unitarian Universalist Fellowship in Appleton, Wisconsin. And she just offered us a sermon on the concept of enough. What is enough? Is it achievable? How do we know we've achieved it? And when should we wish to? If you are joining us on just the audio podcast alone, we'll be sharing the sermon prior to the interview. That'll be coming up right next. And if you're joining us just by this YouTube video, the sermon has been uploaded separately to our Fourth U YouTube channel. You can check that out. But on this video, we'll be going straight to the Getting the Message conversation. Either way, it is my pleasure to introduce Ali Peters. It is... So wonderful to be back with my fourth U family this morning, even here in this virtual space. So much gratitude to Reverend Mark and the entire Fourth Universalist staff. Thank you all for having me. When I was a kid, I was not lucky enough to live near my grandparents. I grew up in New Jersey. My grandparents lived all the way out in Omaha, Nebraska. We only got to see them about once a year and it was always a big deal. I remember looking forward to our visits, our visits to Omaha. I looked forward to seeing my grandparents waiting for us outside the airport terminal. I looked forward to them taking us to their local zoo they were so proud of that zoo. I looked forward to what they called sneak breakfasts, which were mornings when my grandparents would wake my brother and I up really early before my parents even woke up and they would sneak us out of the house to go get pancakes. I'll admit, I also looked forward to watching their cable television. That was a real treat for me and my brother who didn't have cable. Um, but these were nice visits to Omaha and it was so good to be together. When I think back on these visits, another thing that also stands out to me in those memories were the times when I could see my grandmother's face getting sad. She would be hugging us when we arrived at the airport and I'd hear her say, oh, I can't believe you're only gonna be here for a week. We would be in the reptile house at the zoo laughing about how gross we thought the snakes were. And then I would see my grandma's face fall and she'd say, oh, I'm gonna be so sad when it's time for you to leave. We would be pouring syrup over our pancakes early, early in the morning. And I'd see her shoulders drop. 
I've been looking forward to this visit with you for so long. I can't believe it's going to be over so quickly. During these moments, I remember feeling like I was being jolted out of the warm joy of being together, the glow of enjoying each other, and jolted with the icy cold splash of sadness and guilt. We never seemed to have enough time together. Enough. What even is enough, right? What's enough of anything? The idea of enough can feel so elusive, even unachievable. You know, these days, especially, I think it's really hard. I mean, we dance with others in the street when the first black South Asian woman and child of immigrants is elected into the White House. But then we feel the icy cold splash, remembering that that doesn't solve everything. There's still so much work to be done and so many problems to address. We get a few days of beautiful weather back in November, remember that? Gave us the chance to spend time with our friends and our loved ones safely outside, enjoying the sunshine. But then came that icy cold splash, remembering that we were still facing a whole winter in this pandemic. It doesn't feel like enough. Sometimes nothing feels like enough, right? I was talking about this struggle with one of the members at my congregation in Wisconsin. And I asked her where in her life she has most clearly felt that feeling of enough. And I guess I asked the right person because she didn't even hesitate to answer. She said, on my farm. And then she proceeded to talk to me all about her farm chores and how she felt in relationship with her land and the critters all around. She talked to me about being mindful of spending enough time doing farm work and also enough time simply for fun and play. She talks to me about taking enough from the land to live and also giving enough back to the land. To me, her stories were a poignant reminder of the wisdom that inherently exists in the earth and can be passed on in our deep relationship with the earth. Her stories actually drew me back to a Wendell Berry poem that I love. It's a poem called The Peace of Wild Things. 
when despair for the world grows in me and I wake in the night at the least sound in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be. I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water and the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still water and I feel above me the day blind stars waiting with their light. For a time, I rest in the grace of the world and am free. In this poem, Wendell Berry he never once uses that word enough. And yet to me, this poem feels like enough. It feels like he's describing an experience of enough. Each time I read this poem and also the words themselves, the words right there on the page they feel like enough. It makes me exhale. I come in to the peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still water. And I feel above me the day blind stars waiting with their light. For a time, I rest in the grace of the world and am free. I wonder if the reason this feeling of enough can be so elusive is because enough only exists in this moment. Perhaps we can't grab enough outside of this moment this one right now or maybe this moment right now or perhaps this one right now the wild things do not tax their lives with forethought of grief right now the water is still. The day blind stars are there above us, just waiting with their light.
the sermon I'm preaching right now is wildly different from what I thought this sermon would be when I chose the title of Enough. And the story that I shared with you all earlier was wildly different from what I thought that story would be when I planned to write a story about squirrels gathering acorns under the theme of enough. Because in a world of capitalism, comparison, and competition, we have been taught to think that enough is simply a word used to demonstrate an amount. I don't have enough money to buy that. I don't have enough time to do that. I'm not old enough, young enough, smart enough, good looking enough, strong enough, happy enough. This is why I really like the passage that Allison read to us all a moment ago. Because in this passage, Lynn Twist, she tells us that we are missing the point. She says, sufficiency isn't two steps up from poverty or one step short of abundance. It isn't a measure of barely enough or more than enough. Sufficiency isn't an amount at all. It's an experience, a context we generate, a declaration, a knowing that there is enough and that we are enough. And she goes on to say that when we live in the context of sufficiency, we find a natural freedom and integrity. We engage in life from a sense of our own wholeness rather than a desperate longing to be complete. We feel naturally called to share the resources that flow through our lives, our time, our money, our wisdom, our energy, at whatever level those resources flow to serve our highest commitments. It can be so hard to live this declaration of sufficiency, right? Because we do live in a world that was built around capitalism, comparison, and competition. A world where struggling to have the amount of money needed to put food on the table is a lived reality for so, so many. Living into an experience of enough in this moment does not negate that or gloss over it or ignore it. It's not an experience that tells us that we shouldn't want anything or need anything or that we should just appreciate what it is we have. We can feel welcome to grieve and wail at the doorstep of tragedy and injustice. 
We can feel moved and called to fight for a better world. And we can also feel invited to lean into experiences of sufficiency in any given moment. The wild things that do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. The presence of still water. The day blind stars waiting with their light. The enoughness that is the birthright of existence. One thing I think that we can learn from Wendell Berry and Pasha the squirrel and Lynn Twist this morning is that honoring this birthright, drawing ourselves deeper into experiences of sufficiency and enoughness also draws us closer to the world around us and the world that we as people of faith aspire to create. And so I say, you are enough. This moment is enough. May it be so, and amen. Ali, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, thank you for that, that warm and uplifting reflection on this idea of enough. Now, why is that a timely one to explore and what moved you to talk about it? Hi, Colin. <laughs> it's so good to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, I think oftentimes uh, when, when I'm writing a sermon, I'm, I end up writing a sermon that needs to be preached to myself. And so I think this one kind of, um, you know, came from a lot of feelings of, um, a lot of yearning to experience this feeling of enough and whether it's like I am enough or whether it is, you know, um, this, this moment that I'm living in right now is enough. Um, I think it would really just came from a yearning for that. And so I wanted to explore it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I remember you saying in the, in the reflection actually that uh, it wasn't what you had expected to say when you'd settled on that topic of enough that it kind of went went somewhere that uh, you had to follow instinctively, but that wasn't your original plan. So what had been the original plan? How did it morph and, and why? Yeah, so I, there wasn't really a, an original plan, but I think I anticipated um, the sermon being about enough as in um, an amount and, um, you know, what having enough feels like and um, as opposed to having too much or having too little, um, being happy with what we have. I think I kind of anticipated it going in that direction. I think I think that whole appreciate what you have angle um, kind of is one that makes me feel a little itchy. Um, and that's what drove me in a different direction because so many reasons. One is that that can gloss over so many um, problems and inequities in our our world and and also the 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 idea of who am I to say that you know eh, 
yeah, you've got enough. Go ahead. It's fine. Um, and I think when I really kind of followed that thread and, and dove a little deeper and I found the, the reading that we read today, it was a passage from um, Lynn Twist, um, who's the co-founder of the Pachamama Alliance. I hadn't heard of her before I read um, this passage from her book, but um, she talks about how we can't think of sufficiency in that way, in the way of an amount that that just doesn't work. Um, and I think that that's really wise um, because it just shows how we've been trained by capitalism and um, by the structures around us to think of things that way. So I think my original thoughts were kind of conditioned by what I've been trained to believe about enough or um, sufficiency. Yeah, I, I really appreciated uh, towards the end of your sermon that you you brought up the the problem sometimes with kind of a universal message of take what you have and uh, be grateful for it and and uh, and you know sometimes we we hear that word enough actually it's it's used very much in the opposite way as a as more of a rallying cry for action and for progress you hear you know candidates and politicians on the stump uh, and activists will say you know enough of this state of affairs it's an indication of something that needs to needs to change um so if 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 there's a little more to it than just this uh, complacency this capitalistic uh, metric of, of material goods um what what is it then that we should seek for when when you talk about allowing ourselves to be drawn into moments of sufficiency what 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 is the, the nuance there that is different from that that more uh, more dangerous message yeah so i think if we unravel that what you call dangerous message thank you for that wording if we unravel that um and kind of look beyond the structures that we're so conditioned into and the, the ideas that have really um, shaped the way we see the world. If we unravel all of that, we're left with just existence, right? We're left with um, the earth. The earth I think is our best teacher for, for those kinds of, when we're trying to do that unraveling work, I think, because, um, the earth was here long before us, the earth will be here long after us. And that's why I think the moment that I kind of connected this message to the Wendell Berry poem that I read in the sermon um, really felt like an aha moment to me. Um, would you mind if I, it's short, would you mind if I read it again right now? Please, absolutely. So uh, this is a poem by Wendell Berry called uh, The Peace of Wild Things. When despair for the world grows in me and I wake in the night at the least sound in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be. I go and lie down where the wood drake rests its beauty on the water and the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still water and I feel above me the day blind stars waiting with their light. For a time I rest in the grace of the world and am free. And I think thinking about that poem in the context of thinking about this idea of enough and sufficiency I think that poem does a lot of that unraveling work for us that we were just talking about. In particular, I find now myself when I'm 
worried or when I'm um, feeling anxious about something or when I'm feeling um, feeling like I'm not enough, perhaps I I think about the line. I my brain. I tell my brain to remember the line of that poem. Um, the wild things that do not tax their lives with forethought of grief, and that always feels it. It kind of clicks right into place of oh wait no just by existing we are enough and this moment is enough so yeah i think there's there's a lot of wisdom there there's somehow um there's somehow a difference between identifying lived problems and and practical needs and uh and gratuitously masochistically borrowing additional burdens uh on top of that yeah uh, you gave the example of one person's understanding of enough as their relationship to their farm and the livestock and the land and that connects to what you just said about the the earth's enduring uh, existence uh, do you have some personal examples you'd be willing to share about times when you really felt drawn into that experience of earthly sufficiency yeah um i've started a spiritual practice when i go um on walks uh i, I try to remember to say hello to trees um, <laughs> I, um, I've just, in recent years, actually, it was after um, reading the novel, The Overstory. I don't know if you've heard of it or read it by Richard Powers. Um, oh, such a great book. I highly recommend it. Yeah, um, it's on our family bookshelf for years, and I've always been kind of intrigued by it. And just one of the ones that I haven't yet peeled off the shelf. I'll, I'll take your recommendation to heart. <laughs> So good. And the work that it does, so the work that Richard Powers does to personify trees and, and, um, and the arc of trees lives and um, how, you know, how old trees actually are and how, um, how humans just haven't appreciated the lives of trees and learned from trees in ways that we can. Anyway, so I've started the spiritual practice of saying hello to trees um, and just kind of, it grounds me in remembering that all of the stuff, the, the noise I like to say of the world around us, the, the, uh, the, the stuff that you and I mentioned is trying to unravel the capitalism, the comparison, the competition, all of that is human made um, and trees know what's up right like tree, <laughs> trees that live outside of that and um and sometimes i'll just kind of like reach my hand out um to to just kind of touch a tree's bark and um try and feel its soul if you will i know that sounds kind of cheesy but um yeah and i think that helps ground me in in remembering what's important and that you know it's enough to just exist sometimes yeah 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 i um coming from a, a theater background a lot of what you said really resonated with me i think for a lot of performing gig economy artists uh that uh that feeling that wash of sadness you described even during the highs of life where uh, you you never quite felt that you could give your grandmother enough time that she was always watching the clock run down and filling what precious time there was with disappointment i uh, hear so many artists uh share similar feelings when you know they work and work to to book a job uh and the first thing that occurs to them isn't ah, i got hired to do this dream role it's 
well, that's this is going to upset the day job that has actually been supporting me. This is a moment of goodbye to my local community. Um, and then when I'm actually working it, I'm, I'm always aware of its perishability. I have to book the next one within a matter of weeks, and it never quite feels like like enough. Um, and so there's yeah, there's there's a lot to gain from not feeling like we need to choose between uh, prudence and presence. So. I really, I really appreciate that. Um, one last thing I want to ask you about for our, our Time for All Ages segment, where we share a story that's related to the theme with our, our youngest members and ask them about it. You, you brought in an original creation, a story about one Pasha the squirrel, and you put these lovely uh, real life photos with it to, to punctuate the events of the story. Uh, and I don't want our, uh, our listeners or viewers to, to miss out on the context for the reference you made to it in your sermon. So I, I wonder if you might uh, connect the dots between that story and your theme a little bit for us before we say goodbye. Yeah, for sure. Um, this is another example of when I thought I was going to do one thing and then it ended up going a completely different direction. Um, because when I decided to write a story about squirrels gathering acorns, I, um, I anticipated it being about deciding how much was enough acorns. <laughs> Um, and that's ended up not being what it was about at all. So the, the story, uh, it tells a story in the fall of uh, Squirrel Pasha starting to gather acorns for the winter. And, um, and then, so he would gather acorns in the morning and hide them for the winter and then play with his friend Reina in the afternoon. And uh, dirt, while he's gathering these acorns, he encounters a raccoon who says, oh, that's not enough, you should gather more, um, and a spider who says, you're gathering way too much, how greedy are you, um, and Pasha just kind of, you know, stays steady knowing what he needs to, what she needs to do, um, and uh, at one point, her friend Reina, the, the squirrel that she plays with every afternoon, uh, is sad, um, and sad because uh, you can tell it's really affected by the seasons. You know, the sunlight is getting less and less every day. It's getting colder. Um, and I think I designed some of that off of my own experience of, you know, mental health vulnerability in the winter. But um, so she's sad and she doesn't feel like she has the energy to do what she needs to do to prepare for the winter and collect acorns. And the story ends with Pasha coming to visit her friend Reina and uh, Reina tells Pasha that she's worried because she doesn't have enough acorns for the winter. And Pasha says, that's okay, I collected enough for the both of us. Um, so there was another exploration of the idea of enough, um, a collective enough, right? And then Reina's response to that is a response I think we all can kind of relate to, which was, oh, why would you do something so nice for me? I haven't done anything for you. Um, and I haven't done enough. And then Pasha's answer is, oh, but you are enough. Um, you don't need to do anything to deserve help from a friend because you are enough. Um, and then there was another exploration of enough. I think that was really valuable. And then it moved into, you know, just them embracing each other and that moment of friendship feeling like enough. So I think it just, it was, the story explores kind of these different other ways of experiencing enough that we might not often think about. Yeah, it was it was a very good setup for your reflection. And another thing I really liked about that story um, is even when 
the the metric was agreed on right number of acorns um, the different animals had such a different relationship to the quantity involved based on uh, their personal circumstances and the, the the way they were shaped and their their appetites and so there's there's an empathic as aspect to this as well of uh, remembering that there are there are not only different objects of enough in play but different amounts different needs different circumstances uh, so that was that was really lovely. Thank you for sharing that and your sermon with us. I really appreciate your coming today. Yeah, um, Ali Peters, really delighted to have her. And thank you for listening to the Fourth U Dimension podcast slash YouTube video. If you're watching on YouTube, feel free to leave a like and subscribe. And see you next time. Have a good rest of your day. Thank you again, Ali. Thank you. Take care. Take care.